0: I'm ABC's Aaron Katursky, and this is Bringing America Back, What You Need to Know. The Clippers were just about to buzz again at X5 Cuts Barbershop in Chicago. Closed for more than two months during the pandemic, it would have welcomed clients on Friday as part of the city's phased reopening. Then came looters and vandals that infiltrated the protests over the death of George Floyd. The cost of the coronavirus and then the looting stacked the odds against many small business owners, like Mike Khatib at X Five Cuts. What happened to your place?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, they came in um, a couple of days, uh, a couple nights ago, a few nights ago. Um, they destroyed everything, man. They took everything that I have in there, almost everything that I have, and the stuff that they couldn't take, they destroyed.
0: Just wiped you out.
1: Yeah, wiped us out. Yeah, and then after that, we uh went down there real quick after that happened, like, the next morning. um, We uh, boarded the windows. People started showing up and cleaning up out of nowhere, you know, like, good Samaritans, like, just showed up out of nowhere and started cleaning up for us and stuff like that. That that was great. So we boarded up, and we left. Then we trying to go back to assess everything and all that stuff. The National Guard has shut down the city, so we can't go in. But hopefully tomorrow we're going to go down there. Um, and see what we can, uh, how we going to start, you know, to, 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 to come back from this.
0: You already had plenty to come back from with coronavirus.
1: Yeah, I know, man. That was crazy. I mean, well, we were so excited that we were going to come back and reopen on Friday. Um, because we were closed so, for so long. And then, you know, so many of my workers are just keep telling me, you know, when we're going to open up, when we're going to open up, we need some money, you know, coming in and all that stuff. And just, this, this happens right away, you know. And now I don't know what the heck is going to happen. You know
0: how bad is it?
1: There's uh, they damaged the walls. They damaged my stations that I spent almost twenty two thousand dollars to put them. I remodeled them a few months before the coronavirus, maybe like three four months. So that got damaged. Like I was so happy with the new look of the of the barbershop, you know, and and then it split out of a second. It was just destroyed.
0: As you say, it's been tough enough. How hard were the last couple of months for you and then to have this happen?
1: Listen, first of all, I never thought in my lifetime I would experience something like this. The hardest few months of my entire life, plain and simple, you know? There's so many things that that I lost because of this. There's so many clients that I, that I lost. There's so, so much that I lost because of this, the coronavirus itself. And then I just come out and then all of a sudden, boom, another thing hits me right there. Like a small business with limited resources is very hard for it to come back from stuff like this, you know? Like if you, if you shut down for a couple weeks, then okay. But if more than two weeks, then it starts to hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt, you know? It's not that easy for smaller businesses, not like bigger corporations, you know what I'm saying?
0: So you're going to get in there tomorrow, you think, and, and try and figure it out?
1: Yeah, hopefully tomorrow morning we're going to go down there and like try to figure everything out, assess the situation, try to start to see what we're going to do. And, um, yeah, and I just want to thank everybody out there, man, that, that like donated to us and, and, and stood with me and, and called me personally. Man, good will never die in this world. And, and it was proven to me yesterday. My dad always told me that, right? And that just basically was proven to me. From all these good people that were just calling and just asking about me. I mean, I had a lady that was by us that came to clean up, and she was looking. She doesn't know me. She never been in my barbershop, and she was bawling out crying because of what happened to my shop. That just hit me so hard.
0: Good will never die out. We like that. Mike Khatib at X5 Cuts Barbershop in Chicago. You heard him talk about his employees who are hurting for money. We're about to hear two difficult economic reports, weekly jobless claims on Thursday and the unemployment report on Friday. Today came an indication of how bad those are going to be. The payroll company ADP said another 2.8 million jobs were lost in May, bringing the pandemic total to more than 22 million. Casino workers are going back on the job starting Thursday when the Vegas Strip reopens. Hand-washing stations will share the casino floor with the slot machines. Poker chips are going to be sanitized. John Flynn is vice president of MGM Resorts. How's this going to go, John?
2: And You know, this is something we've been working on for several weeks now um, because, as you know, the health and safety of our employees and our guests is always first and foremost so we've, we've worked hard with our local health department. We've worked hard with some infectious disease and public health experts to help us craft and design uh, sort of this new Vegas safely experience. We think that you can still do the things that you did before in Vegas. You could still have the great experience that you had before. Uh, but there's a couple of additional safety mechanisms uh, that we put in place. And those are? Setting, for example, when you show up at the front lobby of the Bellagio, you're going to notice plexiglass uh, in several of our areas. It's no different than some of the plexiglass people are already seeing in the grocery stores and supermarkets and, and other places around the country. But you're going to see that here when you check in at the front desk. You're going to see a table games the blackjack and Baccarat, uh, also within our restaurants. And you're also going to see our employees are going to be wearing masks. Um, and we're strongly encouraging our guests to wear masks, and we'll have mask dispensers throughout the property. Uh, in addition to hand sanitizing stations, we've created this new hand-washing station. It's a, it's a nice, luxurious design that we've removed slot machines to be able to put hand-washing uh, on the casino floor. We've had a great roadmap for digital investments in technology, and we've decided to accelerate those over the last couple of months. So now you'll be able to do online checking, get your digital key, and go straight to your room. When you show up at a restaurant, if, if there's a line, you want to come back at a different time. You'll be able to scan a QR code, see the menu, but also book a future reservation, sort of like in a Disney Fast Pass model, that you can come back a couple of hours later.
0: Go back to the casino floor for a sec. Can you do social distancing at a blackjack table?
2: Yeah, so at a, at a blackjack table from the past, you'd normally have five or six spots. And of course, same with craps table. It was, it was elbow to elbow, or shoulder to shoulder. And so we're opening with, um, and this is this is throughout the entire state, uh, instead of having six feet at each table, you're only going to have three. Uh, but what MGM Resorts has also done is we've taken the initiative to put plexiglass barriers uh, in between each of our guests that's playing and in between the guest and the employee. Uh, so you'll have that additional uh, protective barrier there so that you can still have the same blackjack experience you had before or Baccarat. Uh, but we're just going to put a, a few other things in there uh, to, to help give our guests that extra sense of peace of mind. And it's also for our employees, too.
0: I was going to say, is this meant to re- reassure guests that they're going to be all right? Or, or do you think any of this is going to deter people and, and say it's just all too much?
2: No, that that's a, that's a great question. And I think right now, mo- most of our guests, you look at consumer sentiment and, and what's What's taking shape out there in society? I do think that some sort of, of different look is, is expected by the customer. Um, they are going to be asking for these things. They are expecting these things. And and just like maybe some other things that we've done around around systems design to be able to create you know controlled safe experiences in the past, I think a couple of these things will just become a part of the of the everyday experience. You know, hand washing, hand sanitizing. Social distancing. I think those are going to continue to, to be around and reinforced. But I, I still come back to to what I what I what I said earlier. You know, you can still come to Vegas and come to the Bellagio and enjoy that, that two bedroom suite overlooking the fountains. You can you can still do that and have a have a great experience.
0: John Flynn at MGM Resorts. Disney World is reopening in July. Disneyland does not yet have a reopening date, but apparently people are salivating for the food. ABC's Alex Stone joins us from L.A. You can get takeout at Disneyland, Alex? Well, not yet,
3: but this is something that apparently is being discussed in some form. We don't know how serious Disneyland is about this right now. As you know, I can say we've got a family that, that goes down there. There are some... Certain things that, uh, you know, they're, they're known for. The, the Monte Cristo sandwich that they've got, the beignets, the Mickey-shaped beignets, the churros. They're just some parts of Disneyland that people are apparently missing. And Disney sent out a survey to Disneyland annual pass holders asking what their opinion would be if they had to go food. You know, like what restaurants are doing, but that you could get food delivered to your home or for curbside pickup from inside Disneyland. Now, there's some who are looking at this and saying, this is ridiculous, they don't see how this would go, but restaurants, they've been surviving in many areas doing this, and uh, other Disney fans are saying, hey, why not? Disneyland could do it too.
0: Whatever gets you through these stay-at-home orders. ABC's Alex Stone from Los Angeles. Disney, by the way, the parent company of ABC News. I'm Aaron Katursky. Now over to Amy Robach.
4: Thank you, Aaron. Joining me now is ABC News Chief Medical Correspondent, Dr. Jen Ashton. And Dr. Jen, we are facing multiple crises right now. We have, obviously, social protests, COVID-19, possible hurricanes uh, already on a sea storm here. Uh, And then you say that there are two other infectious
5: disease outbreaks potentially going on in the world. Tell us about those. Yeah, we are certainly dealing with a lot. But two other viral outbreaks that we're watching now, they're occurring in the Congo. Here's what we know at this point. One of them is Ebola. Just as a refresher, this is a rare but often deadly hemorrhagic virus. This outbreak that's occurring right now in the DRC um, in Africa, where they had really had this virus under control, at least nine cases have been reported thus far, including five deaths, one of them in a teenager. And mm-hmm. for some perspective, this outbreak is the 11th recorded Ebola outbreak in the DRC since the discovery of this virus in 1976.
4: Wow. And unfortunately, that
5: isn't the only virus this region is dealing with. They're also dealing with measles. Right. And we heard about it in this country, uh, you know, a year ago, we have to remember that in other parts of the world, this is Massive. So in terms of measles, here's what we know right now. The world's largest outbreak is in the DRC. They've reported over 6,000 deaths since 2019 and well over 300,000 cases. We have to remember that measles is one of the most highly contagious respiratory viruses in the world. And with an infection of measles comes a risk of death of approximately one in a thousand. Wow. And I know this is
4: the time where we usually talk about what we don't know, but instead let's talk about what you see as the key factor here in these outbreaks for us to remember? I think
5: this is really important is to put this into medical and scientific perspective here. Um, this is a reminder that COVID-19 is not the only medical and scientific concern right now. It's not the only pathogen causing problems in medicine and science. We can't sugarcoat the news. It's about facts, not fear. So just making people aware is important. And measles and Ebola are really affecting children Mm -hmm. disproportionately a little different than we're seeing in COVID-19. Yeah, certainly.
4: All right, Dr. Jen, we will check back in with you a little later in the show. Thank you. Well, tens of thousands gathered in George Floyd's hometown of Houston, Texas, and we are hearing for the first time now from his six-year-old daughter what she and her mom want the world to know. Here's ABC's Eva Pilgrim.
6: What do you want people to know? Mm, Kind of that I miss him. George Floyd's six-year-old daughter, Gianna, talking about her dad. What was your dad like?
7: He played with me. She didn't have to play with nobody else because daddy was going to
6: play with her all day long. Gianna's mother, Roxy Washington, saying that George loved his daughter. He was always a great dad.
7: I mean, that was his
6: baby. He loved his little girl. Roxy found out about George's death when she got a phone call. She then got on the internet and saw the video.
7: I watched it only for a moment because I was like, I can't believe. I couldn't believe that somebody was doing him like that. I wish I could have been there to help him.
6: How did you explain what happened to your daughter? I but Gianna knew something was wrong.
7: I hear them. I hear them and my daddy's <laughs> name. And I told her, she doesn't know what happened. I told her that her dad died because he couldn't breathe.
6: As for little Gianna, she may not know exactly what happened to her father, but she does know that everyone is talking about her dad. Dad turned at just six years old, all she has left of her dad are memories. I know what I want to be when I grow up. What? I want to be. I want to be um, uh, a doctor. I want to take care of people.
4: She wants to take care of people. We're very, we're very much rooting on Gianna and all she wants to do. And Eva, I know that you spoke with the family's attorney as well, and he told you he sees these protests as a sign of change.
6: That's right, Amy. And that change starting here in Minnesota, the governor announcing that the state is launching a civil rights investigation. Looking into the Minneapolis Police Department, he says it is the first of many steps to rebuild trust with the black community. Amy.
4: All right. Eva Pilgrim there for us Minneapolis. Thank you. Businesses across the country have been damaged this past week as some of those widespread and mostly peaceful protests took a violent turn. Joining us now to talk about how her business was impacted is the owner of the Spoil Me Hair Salon and Spa in Chicago, Adele Shaw. Adele, thanks for being with us today. And if you can walk us through how you found out your salon was damaged in Monday night's protests.
8: Yes,
9: I I received a phone call from a neighbor. Um, He had heard the windows... um, being smashed in. And, uh, it it was just, it, I was so devastated at that moment.
4: When you saw the damage, can you just tell me how you were feeling, what your emotions were?
9: Oh, I was so, I was so lost for words. I, we had, you know, the like riot gear going on outside. And, and it's like, when I drove up and I saw all the glass on the ground and it's like, and looking forward to opening up. Yeah. Um, today, actually, it, it just it sunk my heart because, you know, it's like, how could this happen?
4: It's a one-two punch for sure after everything that businesses have been through during this coronavirus time. And thankfully, we should mention protests were mostly peaceful in Chicago yesterday. But I do want to get your thoughts on the protests themselves and, and how you feel about the mayor's call for police reform in your city.
9: I mean, most of the protests have been really peaceful. It's unfortunately the aftermath on there that when people are coming in and taking advantage of, you know, the police helping with the protests and everything, and they knowing that there's areas that are vulnerable.
4: And I know that the mayor decided to go forward with reopening businesses despite all of the protests. You said today you were also supposed to reopen after being closed for months. Where does your reopening stand right now after all of this?
9: Um, we're looking forward to um, going forth with it today. Um, and fortunately, I have a good group of neighbors and friends, and we were able to you know, clean up and put everything back together because I know our clients have been waiting for us for over three months. And so we're going to do it. It's not so beautiful, some of our windows, but we're going to do it.
4: Wow. And what how does it feel to to now finally be reopened to invite your clients back in after everything you've been through over the last few months?
9: It's just I love doing hair. Um, So it's something that is like now I can get back to what I love doing. Unfortunately, our day, my day is not going to go the way it was going to go because we are going to have champagne and balloons and celebrate that we're finally coming, you know, out of another stage of COVID. But that's been pushed off for a little bit.
4: Do you have anything that you want to say to those who are protesting in your community?
9: Well, the peaceful protesters, I love what they're standing for. I stand for the same thing. The ones that are coming in and taking advantage of you know, vulnerabilities and, you know, smashing and looting and vandalizing businesses. You know, think about your, your mom, your sister, or your brother, or your father. If you had a business, would you want somebody to do that to you?
4: I think that's a really good way to look at this. And we certainly appreciate you joining us today. Adele Shaw, good luck with your reopening. And I know it wasn't the way you thought it was going to be, but you're back open for business and the champagne can come later, right? Yes, most definitely. All right. Thank you. We're wishing you the best. Straight ahead here on what you need to know. Small business strong. Bobby's Barbecue is back with COVID customer safety on the front burner. We are back now with the South Carolina Barbecue King propelling his family business past this pandemic and into a prosperous future.
7: My name is Octavius Nelson from Fountain, South Carolina. Me and my wife, Sarah, we own Bobby's Barbecue. Me and my wife opened Bobby's Barbecue in October of 2018. And when it expired, it was just a pure hobby and just snowballed into that. My late dad, Bobby Sr., had a restaurant. It was more like drive-in food, Monday through Saturday. And I started out at the age of 12, washing dishes. And by the time I was in high school, I was running lunch by myself. So I kind of grew up in it. Once the pandemic hit and we had to switch things around, we were still generating profits, but it was very small. Like, each week, you could see a drop, like, boom, boom. We was, like, getting concerned, like, how bad this is going to get. And then, eventually, the it kind of, like, flattened, like, stopped. And that's kind of inching up. So we never got to the point we was actually losing money, but we was getting close to breaking even. My biggest concern and worry was keeping my family safe, keeping the co-workers safe, and keeping the people who come to our restaurants safe and their families, because we didn't really know. And we still, I guess, getting a better understanding of what's going on now. We had to shut down the inside, but we never shut the business down. We kept going. So what we did was like just do everything to go. We, we took out coming out to the car, and we took out delivery for a while to get everything together. So we're just doing curbside and online. So as people come up, we're running out there to them, making sure we had gloves on and stuff. And then when the governor allows us to have outdoor seating, we already had six tables, we added six more. So then we had to space it out for the social distancing. It's a tough juggle, but we make it happen. It's just part of doing business because everyone's going through it, not just us. So knowing that you're in this together, you try to make the best decision and be transparent with people. And for the most part, I think they truly understand. My advice to other businesses trying to reopen or snail flow: is, first of all, do a lot of prayer and just be flexible, be transparent with your customers. I talk to them all the time, getting the input, talk with your employees, I call co-workers and just do it as a team and be open and transparent, but the main thing is your safety, like you can't live in fear and just be terrified, but you have to be wise. I think I had time to slow down and realize what was most important and focus on that. And first of all, it's always taking care of my family and, and also the consumer, but also our coworkers so that we got tighter and closer. And it's made me count my blessings, but the main thing is just really focus on taking more pride and putting out the best product we can, but just continue to love on people. Thank you for everything. Have a great day be safe.
4: What an inspiration, Octavius Nelson. Thank you. We have Dr. Jen Ashton here. And Dr. Jen, as you know, we talked about this on Good Morning America, Dr. Fauci Mm -hmm. making headlines. But for something you say he's been saying all along, questioning whether or not we're going to have long-term effectiveness with any vaccine we produce. Right,
5: right. So the headline by a lot of media accounts is, oh, all of a sudden there's bad news. This is a perfect example, again, to let people into the way doctors think more than just the fact or the bottom line, which is that it's not all or none. There have always been qualifiers when we talk about the race for a coronavirus vaccine. Specifically, what Dr. Fauci was talking about is this concept called durability. So not a safety concern, but more of an efficacy concern. He does think that a vaccine will be able to be effective, but durability means how long. And if you look at other coronaviruses, like the kind that cause the common cold, we get about a year of protection. That's why people can get colds every year. So that's a major concern. The other one that he mentioned but didn't get as much pickup in terms of headlines, really interesting, it's about whether or not a vaccine will be effective because of the rates of the virus in a population. So let's say we're seeing this, by the way, in the U.K. If the rates go down in the population as we move into phase three clinical trials, which, as you know, involves testing 30,000 people, It's hard to get efficacy. It's hard to then say, oh, you've been injected. You're a volunteer. Now you're going out into the community. But guess what? There's not a lot of coronavirus right now circulating. So how can I tell whether you're getting a good immune response? So a lot of things to keep in mind. That's why when Dr. Fauci says he's cautiously optimistic, the emphasis is on the word Cautiously. Right, exactly. And another headline quickly was just how soon we may be getting these vaccines. Right, and he's expecting about 100 million doses may be available by the end of this year. Are there risks for getting a shingles vaccine now, or is it better to wait? So specifically about the shingles vaccine, there is a new one. It's 97% effective newish in the last several years, recommended for everyone 50 and over. The bottom line with this question, Amy, is that we should not be delaying any routine or scheduled or preventative immunizations because of the pandemic, period. No matter the age. Nope especially we've heard about it for children and you know this is a great example for people 50 and over absolutely it is safe you can go to your pharmacy uh, and get it you need two doses all right good to know next question what are some key takeaways medical professionals have gotten from countries that have reopened well this has been kind of the silver lining if you will we're looking for a lot of them in this story <laughs> is that we we have history from Asia from Europe about countries who have dealt with this a little bit before us in terms of timeline so as as we reopen, we're looking at those countries for lessons learned. It comes down to systems and capacity um, in terms of how we can prepare for a possible second wave or monster wave down the road. We always have to be prepared in medicine. So it comes down to staffing, supplies and space. And that's what hospitals are doing right now. All right. Next question.
4: Any suggestions for people who are having trouble sleeping because of the current state of
5: affairs? You've talked about how important sleep is for your immune system. Are you asking for a friend? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) This is almost a ubiquitous problem. So many people are seeing consequences of stress, um, both with the social unrest as well as the pandemic affecting their sleep, even if we're home more often. So, first of all, my prescription for this is sleep hygiene. Set a regular schedule, even if you don't have to be up or have to be asleep. I know you're meticulous about this mm-hmm. and stick to it. You want to avoid alcohol or caffeine, especially in the second half of the day. Those are huge sleep disruptors. I always say you should try to get mental and physical exercise to help your sleep. So the mental exercise, something like meditation or mindfulness is enormously helpful. And then the environment, you have to make your bedroom cold, dark and quiet. We, the last thing we need is any more physical or environmental disruption. Exactly. All right. Next question. Can people who have antibodies be
4: carriers of the virus and still infect others?
5: Short answer really is no, but this is where I want to do a mini med school on antibodies. There's a class of antibodies called IgM that in some viruses or infectious diseases can actually indica- indicate an active infection and therefore someone who could be infectious or contagious. But for COVID-19, an antibody test is not meant to determine whether someone is actively infected or contagious. When we've heard news bites about other tests like the PCR nasal swab testing positive in someone who's recovered, but they're not contagious, that's important for people to understand. Just because you detect the virus doesn't mean it's live or can infect someone else. All right. Very good answers. All right. You can submit questions to Dr. Jen for more very good answers on
4: her Instagram at Dr. Jay Ashton. Well, with everything that is going on with the COVID crisis, our kids are having to deal with so much. And now the nation is facing yet another
5: crisis, this one on race. And we're now, of course, in the second week of these protests that are sparked by the tragic death of George Floyd, who died in the hands of police in Minneapolis. And as the nation unrest continued, Parents like us are having to have really tough conversations with their children about race, protests, and police brutality. So, here to help us educate and protect our kids is psychiatrist Dr. Janet Taylor.
4: Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for coming back. And we'll just get right into it. How do you explain to your kids about the current atmosphere, what they're seeing, what they're hearing, the protests, and racism?
8: Well, you can say to your kids, listen, you know how you feel when you ask me to do something and I say no, and you say why, and I say because I said so? All these protesters are saying, that's not good enough. Because I say so is not good enough. So they've taken to the streets, they've taken, used their mouths, and in a thoughtful and, for the most part, very orderly way, saying that we disagree and that that is a natural part of life. And we can teach our kids to think and to, how to disrupt when they're feeling something that they don't agree with. So it's a really opportune teaching moment about how to be a creative thinker and how to stand up for when you disagree with something. And Janet, you always
5: say that obviously these tough conversations have to be age appropriate, but how do you recommend
8: that we talk to our children about the police in general? Well, we don't want our children to be afraid of the police. And we just say, you know, how sometimes there are people who may have the right intention but they do bad things most of the police are good people you can go to them for help and most of us still do but there are some police officers who have made bad choices but we want our kids to see the police as a safe entity a a safe structure because they do help us jen just mentioned age
4: appropriateness so i ask what's the youngest age you should start talking with your child about these difficult
8: topics Well, as important as it is to talk about difficult topics like racism, which we know has existed for a long time, you know, when kids are three or four, as a child of color, they will experience incidents, whether it's a a classmate that says something, a teacher. So whether we know or not as parents, it's happening. So what we can do is expose our children of all colors to books that have characters that are black listen to their conversations and when your child says that something has happened to them because of the color of their skin or because of their hair texture we need to listen and we need to show them that we are doing something about it it doesn't mean being angry but showing them in a calm thoughtful way about how to handle an insult or slight and especially to other adults to make sure it doesn't happen again we can no longer ignore the pain that racism causes to our children. And is there
5: ever a situation where you would recommend actually shielding your child from racism as a
8: topic? I would never recommend that you shield your child from racism as a topic because as important as it is, the conversation about racism, it's about anti-racism. And what does that mean? That means that we teach our kids, not that we're all alike, but that we can have the same values and our differences can suggest beauty. Our differences can be something that we learn. So when there is an incident that is unfair, when there's an incident where somebody tries to use their power in a way that's destructive, we need to address it as a teachable moment.
4: And in terms of those teachable moments, how can parents explain in the best way to their children about their race and about
8: other races? Well, one way is to stop using the word race, which we know is a social construct. It's a meaningless term. Talk about people in terms of their ancestry, their history, their culture, how they see themselves in terms of their ethnic origin. That's one way to do it. And then just to say, listen, there are people who try to use their power against other people In a way that is unfair. And it's important to know the difference between a leader versus someone who's just in charge. A lot of people who have racist thoughts and do things that are destructive, it's because they are afraid of losing their power or not in charge. A leader looks out for everyone. So if you're in a situation, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach, that does not treat people fairly, then they're not a leader, they're just in charge. And we need to make a decision to get rid of those people. And we teach our children how to do that. And that starts with them being able to talk to us and us being comfortable using terms like black or Latina or white, whatever the term is, so that we can have those conversations.
5: And Janet, I mean, mental health professionals like yourself are are in short supply as it is. You always give us such good advice. What resources would you recommend to help us start this conversation about race?
8: Well, I just came across a great organization. It's EmbraceRace.org that has wonderful points for parents to, to, with their kids and also buy books that have different characters. You know, uh, the snow, A Snowy Day. Ezra Keats was written in 1962. It's the number one book taken out of the New York Public Library, and what does it show? A young black kid, Peter, who's going out into the white snow. Use books like that and just see how your kids react, but show them, have them experience different cultures and different races, and books are a great way to do that.
4: They certainly are, and your your words of wisdom have been so helpful, Dr. Janet Taylor. We certainly appreciate you. Thank you for your time and your expertise. Thank you. A young student's unique vision has turned into an inspirational film about the coronavirus. It's called Growing Up COVID. The film takes an eye-opening look at how children are taking in what's happening all around them. And we're so happy to have the creative force behind the film with us now, 16-year-old Riley Landau. Riley, thanks for being with us. What inspired you to make this film?
10: Well, I really think that my inspiration for the film was my littlest sister, Ellie. Um, I would say that witnessing her resilience through this pandemic is it's just been truly amazing and um she may not be going to live school she may not be seeing her friends but watching her grow during this pandemic and become more independent she actually taught herself how to fold laundry and she's become better at me better <laughs> than me at folding laundry um and so many other things that 6 year olds don't normally do and i feel like during this time of pandemic, things are really put into perspective for everyone. And I feel like we really learn about a want versus a need and what's really important in life. And although it is hard, it's important that we try to have a positive mindset. And I feel like Ellie is doing a really good job at this and her positivity has really helped me through this. And I feel like that was the, that was the inspiration for
4: the film. Uh, it's beautiful. And I love it because positivity is contagious, just like you said. I know your mom posted this online. Thousands of people have already watched it. What is the one thing you want people to take away from your film?
10: Um, I would say that in a world, right now we're living in a world that really isn't okay and is kind of feeling damaged and hurt for so many reasons. Um, my goal was to kind of give people a positive take on some things and to make people smile. And the fact that I've already made, I think it's around 30,000 people smile that that's exceeded my goal so much. And that's, that's truly gratifying.
4: Well, you are an amazing young woman. Keep doing what you're doing, Riley. Thank you for being with us. And thank you for sharing us, sharing with us that beautiful film and tell your sister she's beautiful too. Thank you. All right. Final thoughts
5: now from Dr. Jen Ashton. Amy, it's hard to follow that one, Um, but I want to stay with our theme of the week, which is my prescription for wellness, how people can do little things that can have big impact on their overall mental and physical well-being. So today the focus is on fitness. Um, And I think it's really important that we remember that our body needs three things every day. It needs rest. It needs fuel. And it needs to move there's no there's no shortcoming in terms of what you can do you can literally start anywhere it's a difference of sitting rather than standing rather than sitting running rather than walking. If you're standing or sitting, just take a walk. Yeah. Um, how many miles are you running today? It's Global Running Day, everyone. I'm running five miles. I pledged it, but we're asking everyone to run or walk one mile. Something, today. anything. Literally, it starts with one step and it improves our mental well-being and our physical well-being, and everyone can do that today, and it will help. I believe that. I know it will. Preach. You're preaching to the choir. Right? <laughs> I know. I know.
4: <laughs> well, that's our program for today. I'm Amy Robach. Thanks for listening.